The Everyman Podcast. Welcome to another edition, another week, another pod of the Everyman Podcast. I am your host, Justin Vigil, and this week, due to some extenuating Everyman circumstances, I am coming to you solo. So to my brother, my partner in crime, my co-host, Daryl Campbell, we will catch you next week, my brother. This week on the Everyman Podcast, we have an awesome interview. It is awesome musician, someone I really look up to, Tommy Rogers, the vocalist and frontman of Between the Barry to Me. Tommy is somebody that I've gotten the chance to get to know um, over the past few years and, and even more so the last few few tours I've uh, I've been able to hang around with uh, BT Bam and with, with my friends there, Dusty and Blake. And um, Tommy and I always get into these really long um, kind of philosophical talks about uh, the music industry and just life as a musician in general and what's going on in the world. So when we ran into each other uh, at Reverb um, in Reading, Pennsylvania, this this past uh, July on tour, we couldn't line it up then because we had uh, timing issues, but we figured, hey, we might as well get one of these conversations uh, on a podcast because they're so entertaining. So we, uh, we, we linked up and we had a really cool talk about kind of Tommy's history as a solo musician and songwriter, um, which, uh, you know, you can, you can check that out. We go into detail about that. Uh, but also his, his, uh, time with Between the Barrier to Me, how the band has evolved, um, how huge and in new places that they find themselves in now. Uh, of course we talk about the, the Grammy experience and being nominated for best metal performance and what that meant as a, you know, as a musician and an artist to be kind of recognized by your peers. Um, so, of course, we took the fan questions from Reddit, and, and on the subject of Reddit, uh, I'd like to thank everybody in the uh, Between the Barry and Me subreddit for being such great hosts to the ideas and the content that uh, I want to put out there for you guys and for all of us fans, and uh, especially I want to thank Papa Crip. Uh, he's uh, he's a moderator there, and he's a gentleman, and I really appreciate uh, you taking care of of all the back end stuff so that I can get in touch with uh, you know with the fans and get a really good uh, perspective on what you guys are are thinking about. So I think this time um, we got a lot of the stuff covered that you guys wanted to know. We really got into a lot of really cool. Uh, stuff that I hadn't heard before. So I hope you enjoy it. And if you do enjoy it, please uh, head on over to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud. Give us a subscribe. Leave a review for us. Tell us what you like about the show. We're going to be doing some giveaways coming up here uh, where we're going to have some stuff that I think you guys will be interested in. And uh, it's all going to be around, you know, helping us helping us get our ratings and reviews up. Um, so stay tuned for that. And again, uh, thank you for listening. If this is the first time you've checked us out, again, take a look back in the archives. Our interview with Blake Richardson and Dusty Waring, Andy McKee, Mike Mangini, John Petrucci, Jamie King. We talk about Jamie a lot on this episode. Um, so if you've been enjoying the ride, stay in there, and uh, we've got a lot more coming for you. So with that being said, let's kick it to Tommy. Joining us today on the Everyman Podcast is the lead vocalist of the Grammy-nominated progressive metal band Between the Barry to Me, Tommy Rogers. Tommy is an entrepreneur, a talented songwriter, and a family man all around Everyman. Ladies and gentlemen, Tommy Rogers. Hi. How you doing, bro? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I don't, I don't know what to say after that. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, a, a gentleman as such as yourself deserves a, you know, an introduction that, that matches. 
Yeah. What's the, hold on? What's the sign behind you say? That is uh, that's a rare item right there. That's a t- says Tommy Maddox Avenue. Uh, he was a quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, when That's I was crazy because my name is Tommy and my son's name is Maddox. So this is crazy. As it was somebody with that. Name. <laughs> Whoa, that is, you know what? I didn't even think about that. That's funny. We, you know, Tommy on the show here, we have this thing we call the cosmic canoe. And yeah. it's this belief that, you know, Daryl and I are on this shared journey uh, with everybody. And it seems like everybody that comes on the show, we have some sort of uh, hard to explain cosmic connection. And I've had this Tommy Maddox is my favorite football player of all time. Um, just because he was like a, he was an underdog. He was a guy that he uh, was a first round pick and was expected to do a lot. Didn't do much. Left yeah. the NFL, and then when he was like thirty five, had like two great seasons. And uh, it was just like a cool story. And I always just kind of appreciated that. So I've had this Tommy Maddox sign up on the wall all this time. And like you said, there you go. Cosmic. Now, now I'm gonna tell people I named my son Maddox. After the football player, yeah, there you go. Even though I never heard of him till just now. Till just now. Well, it's good to have a you know to have a reason to fall back on. So, Grammy nominated, between the yeah. Barry to me. We talked to uh, Blake and Dusty about that. What was that like, man? It was weird. Um, it was. I mean, the the initial reaction was just kind of like, I didn't think it was real, kind of thing. I don't know. I mean, when you get that news, you wake up. Actually, the first person I heard it from was the guitarist, uh, JB from ABR. And <laughs> I guess he saw it in some news thing and was like, congrats, man, on the Grammy now. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? You know, like, what? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, our manager and other people in our our team confirmed that it was real. And I was like, oh, man, okay. That's crazy. I don't know. For some reason... <sighs> If I have to be completely honest, it, it, it was like a total shock, but it didn't – I think I was the one in the group that wasn't – I didn't get real excited about it for some reason. I was like, oh, that's cool. And that, and then I just kind of like went on with my day. And then it took, <laughs> like, it took like days later or like maybe a week later to I kind of realized, man, this is kind of a big deal. I should uh, embrace this a little more. Um, I don't know. I just didn't really put much thought into it at first. And then, you know, once we planned going and all that and then going there, it was just, you know, being, you know, in the same room as, a, you know, an organization that's been doing that as long as they have and the, the people and musicians that have been a part of it. It was just it was very overwhelming. But it was a. Uh, I don't know. It was a really good experience and you know, a fun night. And yeah. Who knows if it'll ever happen again, but I'm glad we got to experience that, you know. Well, I told the guys this on on the last podcast, and I'm sure it'll happen again for you. But I kind of, it was crazy when I saw it, too, because I was, you know, um, I've been following your guys' career. And, and, you know, I've gotten to know you guys uh, over the last couple of years. And um, it was was crazy to see it, you know, myself, because that, that... that mainstream system, I mean, it, it has kind of brought metal into it. And yeah. uh, it's been kind of controversial with metal fans over the years of like, I mean, even starting from like the first one as to, you know, who won it and who should have or who yeah. fans feel is metal enough. And I think there's always that like accusation of not being metal enough to be nominated for a <laughs> metal Grammy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um so there's like all that weird stuff, but it was, it was really cool. And I, I remember seeing, I mean, on the, you know, the, 
what do you call it? The E red carpet show. You know, you guys were like in the background of some shot, just uh, walking around. And, I, and it, it was like, it, it was just so, cause I know you guys and to see you all like in that moment. And I know how much it, means to you and like i know where you guys you know i've I've like i've had the opportunity to work with jamie king and i've been to winston where you guys kind of got together and yeah so it's like i i know the journey sort of of where you've gone so um it was really neat and what was it like being in with like i said you're you're kind of crossing over into that mainstream world there for just a night did it feel did you feel out of place did the only time we felt really out of, out of place was the red carpet thing. It was just you instantly were in this world that you had you had no part of. You should yeah. not be a part of. You know, you know. It, basically, it's just a, a long row of tables and people with cameras and microphones, and you know, a a, a plaque saying like what show it is, like Ellen Show. You know, Good Morning America. You know, all these <laughs> huge things. Yeah. And, and they just wanted nothing to do with any of us um, at all. Like, and, and basically, you have to walk down the line. And we had uh, one of our managers there to kind of like just basically ask, "Are you interested to talk to these guys?" It was like being at you know a, a, a seventh grade dance going to <laughs> and, and yeah, like, do, do will you dance with me? You know, it was just this weird thing where and it it was just constant rejection after. Yep. I mean, we didn't do, we didn't do one interview. And, um, which was fine. We, we, we had no expectations. It was just such a weird thing anyway, but that was the first thing we did. And, you know, like I'm glad we got that over with because everything else was amazing. The experience was great. You know, nothing felt weird. Like we felt like we belonged there, you know, as musicians. Um, but that part of it was just, it was just very weird and, you know, not something we've obviously ever done before. Um, but I think just in general, the reason that, I came around and, and, and kind of pitched myself and, and realized like, this is a big deal. It's just like you said, like our journey and thinking about, you know, thinking back when we wrote silent circus and crap like that, like not crap as an, as yeah. an ad, but, I know you know, you yeah. Like thinking like my mentality back then and how, you know, I never thought, you know, it's like, I, we're in this, this weird band. Like we never had any expectations of anything, you know, much less touring around the world, doing it as long as we had. And, but then to have like some recognition on a grand scale and in, in like a more mainstream way was pretty, it's pretty unbelievable, you know? Well, and, and like you said, there is like controversy with metal and the Grammys because it is, you know, it's a very narrow you know, you have a very small window, like metal performance, like anybody that's involved in this type of music knows how diverse metal is and how many, I feel like every other type of music, there's all these different genres and, you know, things people have talked about a million times before, but it it is weird how narrow it is and it, to be lumped into this one little thing, but just the fact to be, be there and be a part of it was, was crazy. And just the, the thought of, hearing our name to win was, you know, I, I don't, I mean, I was so nervous. I, I wanted to win obviously, but I was like, Oh my God, we're gonna have to get on the stage and say <laughs> something <laughs> like, but, um, yeah, it was crazy, man. Well, you know, the funny thing is, um, a, a lot of people don't know about the, the constant rejection 
that goes into being in the entertainment business or just yeah. uh, in, in any field, whether it's, you know, athletics, uh, in the professional sports, professional music, whatever it is. And it must have been like, you know, you guys get to this point in your career and then you still have to be like, oh, no, th- no, no to you. Yeah. OK, no yeah. for you. And you just like yeah. you just like keep rolling with it. So it's, it's like a, it's something that, you know, everybody has to deal with. Definitely. And uh, I think that's kind of amusing. And, and like you said, um, being in that that even though it's a narrow view of it, it's still kind of put you guys out there because i mean i'm seeing press releases you know in my google news feed that's like meet the first time you know grammy yeah. nominees paul yeah. wagner and stuff and you know you guys were in the spotify playlist and I'm, I'm certain that you know in some of these markets especially out there you know in, in la i'm sure that you know now your awareness of, of your band has gone up just from being in that category which is yeah. which is still cool because you know there's not a lot of you know, like you said, you're not getting on the Jimmy Kimmel show. Yeah. But well, it's, it's something for the the resume for sure. You know, it's one of the few things where I can uh, talk to someone that has no clue about anything in this world. I can be like, well, we got nominated for a Grammy and instantly they're like, oh, you're like a real band. Right. <laughs> right. It, oh, it, it validates it almost. Yeah. It's not a garage band. Cool. <laughs> you guys yeah. made it out of the garage. Yeah, good job. <clears throat> so after the Grammys, you know, I got, I, I guess it was right, the Grammys were right at the end of January, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so I saw you. Right at the beginning of a tour, I remember that. Right, because you guys had to move a couple dates around, and I, I saw you guys at uh, the uh, Asbury Lanes show, which was oh yeah, yeah. awesome venue. Um, that was a cool venue, yeah. Yeah, and they they recently redid it, and you, I mean, you, you know, you got a bowling alley and a diner built into a venue, so I don't know really where you can go wrong there. Yeah. Um, what what was it like coming, you know, back into the normal world? Cause I always have, you know, when I go, whether it's you going to Nam or whatever, going out on tour, like coming back into your normal routine can be difficult. I, I was curious if doing that whole Grammy experience kind of threw you off at all. I mean, it was, it was, uh, because it was the beginning of a tour. I mean, everything just happened so quickly. Um, cause it basically went from, you know, being at home, getting ready for tour, flying out, you know, rehearsing. I think we had like a, a day of rehearsals. Then I think we played one show. Oh, we drove our van to a show to save, to not have pay for the bus rental for a day. Then we played a show in somewhere in Georgia. And then we drove back to the airport the next morning, flew to LA, did all that. I had a, a, you know, we spent the night and then had to wake up and fly back on tour again. So it was all so, so fast. Plus the, you know, the anxiety and emotions that went along with going to the Grammys and being at the Grammys. And so, yeah, I mean, honestly, it was, you know, the second we showed up, was the Asbury Park the first show back? I can't remember. I, I, I think it was, it was like your second or third one okay. back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it I, I, I know, know you, you played I'm in Winston first, at, I think. I'm pretty good at, uh, Oh yeah. I'm pretty good at like just snapping back in. Like, I don't know. I, I, I can adapt to the moment pretty quickly. I don't know if it's from just doing it so long, but yeah, I mean, I, I would say it was just a lot going on real quick and then almost kind of like, okay, I can, I can rest for a second. I know this environment, like this is tour. I've done this a million times. I can relax for a second. It, it wasn't like anything I had to really get back into That's at good. all. 
That's good. Yeah, because I would think for everyone else, but for me, that's how it was. I would think that you know, just if it were me, just that excitement and all that you know, adrenaline and stuff would take a yeah, take a minute to. But then you're 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 on the road, like you said, and it's something you're you're used to. Um, Yeah. So I I wanted to kind of go over, you know, broadly over your your career with between the Barry to me and and your solo work and stuff like that. Um, So so I want to talk about your solo material because this is stuff that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I first heard it. Um, I did, it was kind of like, it just, I, I didn't know about it. And I saw one of the albums, uh, you know, at the merch table and, um, what kind of inspired you to go in that direction to start doing your own songwriting and where did you kind of get the influences that you have for your solo material? Well, it basically stemmed from wanting to write simplified music, um, and and kind of write in a totally different way not not really the genre but just the, my the, my process like with with bt bam everything's very you know there's a it's a long process there's a lot of moving parts um it's very intricate music um it takes a lot for it to get to where it ends up um and i like that process a lot and it's always been a big part of my life but i wanted to try something a little more straightforward and not as intense uh mentally and just kind of like not that it's improv but write just kind of what pops in my head and and go with it you know i can write a song off of you know three chords you know which was something so foreign to me at the time because the only real music i've really written was you know between the bear to me riffs and songs and going from that to like these real simplified rock songs and um it was just kind of a way to try something new and the more i did it the more i really liked it and it it was uh very liberating for me and it taught me a lot about just songwriting in general and it still does and it taught me a lot about my voice i think i learned a whole lot about my voice doing the solo stuff just because it was such a departure from what i do in the band um and i hope that in doing that, I, I I learned ways to incorporate new things when I write with Between the Bear to Me or, you know, when I sing with the band. And um, But, yeah, I mean, it was – I guess it started back – I did a, a record called Giles way, way back, which was kind of a, a horrendous record. <laughs> but it was my um, – I don't know. It was a weird record. I, I, even when I listen back, it's not, I don't even really remember writing it much, but that was my first kind of dive into trying something new. Um, it didn't work out well. Uh, it wasn't received well and it it was something hard for me to get past because there was a lot of hate with that record. Um, and it took me a long time to be able to write anything else outside of the band after that because of, you know, that little trying to climb that hill of, of rejection, which in hindsight was very good for me. But um, when I did do the first proper solo release, Pulse, it was one of those things where I didn't tell anybody I was doing it. I wanted to just kind of comfortably write these songs and see if it turns into anything. And it eventually did. And I liked where it was going. And so I put it out and, you know, from there, you know, I've gained back the confidence that I have now where I, you know, I feel like I can try different things and, and keep writing these records. And I feel like it doesn't 
in any way harm what I'm doing with the band. And I feel like it's kind of given me a new avenue um, to try new things, I guess. So, yeah, pulses, yeah. pulses, the, yeah, that's ah, great, man. Thank you. Pulse is the one that I uh, first, you know, became aware of. And <clears throat> I'm see, I, I grew up, you know, uh, as a musician, obviously I've always been into kind of like progressive metal and stuff and, you know, dream theater and mm -hmm. obviously between the barrier to me, but I was always really drawn to stuff like Ramstein, Rob Zombie, Nine Inch yeah. Nails, you know? And like when yeah. I listened to, um, especially, you know, don't touch the outside, your most recent, um, mm -hmm. solo release, which came out last November, yep. um, which you guys can check out everywhere. Uh, the digital music is highly recommend it. There's a lot of that kind of industrial, um, I don't even know if they still, if that's still the, the operative term, but I would call I it. I think it is. And, and I love that it, there's like a resurgence with that. Right yeah. Now. I don't know it's, if you've checked out great. that, that new North lane, but they're like, I, I had, they've always kind of been, you know, on my radar a little bit. And one of my, uh, my buddies, my guitarist, uh, Aaron was like, Hey man, you got to check this out. And it's like, mm -hmm. it's like industrial metal is back, you know? Oh, and, really? Yeah. yeah and, and now, you know, Slipknot's kind of gone back to a little bit of that early stuff. So, um, but yeah, I, I kind of see a lot of that in your solo stuff. So for, for between the Barry to me fans who are listening that haven't had an opportunity or weren't really aware of your solo work, um, definitely check it out because when I'm listening to it, not only do I hear that, but I hear where your influences are, you know, kind of expressed in between the barrier to me and, you know, stuff like if you like dim ignition, you know, yeah. I, I can hear now that I understand what, where you were a part of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think progressive music in general is even if you go back as far as like, yes, I had, there's this idea of like a musical genealogy where you can kind of like, you start with somebody like, yes. And then you listen to dream theater and you're like, Oh, I can hear that there. And then you listen to rush and you're like, Oh, that's where dream theater got this. And mm -hmm. you kind of keep on, you know, pulling, pulling the, the thread there. Um, and that's really what I see with, with your music. And, you know, I, I didn't really know, um, a whole lot, you know, outside of, you know, what you guys say publicly about your writing process. So for me, listening to your solo work, it's like, Oh man, I didn't realize how much, Tommy is writing and he must be because I hear it all over the place. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, yeah, I don't know. That's something I've never really felt the need to talk about a lot. I don't know. I, I've always found it's weird when, uh, people in bands constantly try to kind of like prove to the world that they do work in their band or something, you know, like, right. it's like, it's like, yeah, you're in the band. Uh, I mean, I assume you write. I mean, I write a lot, you know, I write a lot of guitar. I, you know, I'm, I'm a, I write a lot of metal, you know, that's kind of like always been my thing. And, um, I don't know, but I, I've never like felt like I need to publicly tell people like, this is the part I wrote. This is the part I wrote, you know, because we're a band. It's not, right. you know, we all, I mean, I think different moments in our history, more members have written than others. And I feel like, um, the the group is so important as a as one piece rather than you know individuals and you know with the solo stuff um you know i i don't have any help so i have there is that little added pressure of like you know in the band it's like you have people like i can send a section and if it sucks i'll get feedback that it sucks like um with the solo stuff, I may think something's awesome and down the road be like, man, that kind of sucked. Well, um, but the, I they'll let you I know in the YouTube people. comments. Yeah. I, I didn't have, <laughs> I, I didn't have the, the, 
the feedback that I get when working in a group. But I mean, there's pros and cons to both of that. But um, yeah, I don't know. I've just always loved writing music and with the solo stuff, you know, a lot of it I do on the road with the band um, just to help with the day to day. And, um, you know, if I, if I feel influenced by something at all or like, Oh, I've, I've always wanted to write a song like this. Let me try this. I, I think it's a way for me just to try new things. And, you know, I'll, I'll pick up a guitar and start with an idea and kind of build from there. And that's just kind of how I've always written, be it with the band or with, you know, my solo stuff. And I, I can definitely get that vibe that you're not sitting down and like, okay, this is my, I'm going to write a solo album in this, you know, three month period here. Like you no. can tell, cause everything's, they're very different. And it's like, I'm listening to the one song and, and all of a sudden this guy starts rapping and I'm like, Oh, Whoa, didn't <laughs> like, this is awesome. You know, like I didn't, I didn't think I was going to get this today. Um, yeah. so it's a very, I think like my new record in particular, it's, uh, it's all over the place. I mean, it really is. And I know that, but I think it's a perfect representation of me um, and kind of how my mind works and how I listen to music. And, you know, I really enjoy huge, huge variety um, with what I listen to and, and kind of how I write. And like, I knew as I was putting the, the album together, I was like, there's going to be people who think this is just very disjointed and, and doesn't work well together. But for me, like when I listen to it, it's exactly how I kind of hear what should happen. And it, it, it's it's very genuine. And I guess that's kind of what I've always tried to be, you know, with everything I've written is just try to, you know, somehow create a representation of, of me personally, like try to be as honest with that as possible. So, Again, I, I highly recommend you guys check it out. Uh, you can... Check it out, Apple Music, Spotify. It's, I'm sure you'll be able to find it anywhere, but but please go and do it. Um, keeping on that subject of, of recording, as I mentioned earlier, um, I had the opportunity to to make a record with Jamie King, and mm-hmm. we've had Jamie on the podcast uh, early on in the archives. I believe it's episode seven, if you want to go back and check it out. Um, and when we talked to Blake and Dusty, we spoke about how important uh, Jamie is to what you guys are doing. And yeah. Uh, for those not totally familiar, Jamie's a producer and engineer uh, based out of Winston-Salem, and he's done largely all of you guys' music, uh, bands like The Contortionist. I just saw the other day he's doing something with Chris Adler. Mm-hmm. Um, what has working with Jamie King meant to you as a, as a songwriter, as a musician, um, and how has that really kind of shaped the professional that you've turned into today? Well, he's, uh, first of all, he's a, he's a phenomenal musician. I think that, um, it's something I noticed right away just with recording. You know, when I first started working with him, I was just strictly recording vocals and just having his input, you know, as far as a, as a musician, as a songwriter, really helped me kind of understand ways to record and ways to make a part or a song just a lot better. Um, we kind of always gave him free reign from day one just to kind of be really honest about things and and we take his opinion into consideration a lot um, be it with tones or a take or you know how how we're presenting a a part or a song I, I think he just has a really he understands what we're trying to do 
and the few times we've worked with other people, it, it, people aren't always on the same page. We kind of seem alien to a lot of people. Um, but with Jamie, it's always been one of those things where he's just totally clicked in with our music and he doesn't write the songs with us, but I feel like he's, he's such a important part and he's there to kind of take what we've written and make it what we hope to sound like. And he, he achieves that with us. Um, and he's just, I don't know. There's, there's a comfort level that it's so important in recording that we've achieved with him and becoming really good friends with him. And just the way we both work works well with each other. And, um, I don't know. It's cool to see like the growth we've both had because we essentially started working together at the same time. You know, we recorded our first record or our first demo with him. Um, so it's, it's been fun to kind of see how we've all progressed, you know, as players, as engineers, as, you know, I think we record better now than what we used to, you know, I think it's, it's been really cool to kind of watch that growth on all ends. And, um, I'm, I'm, I hope we always work together in some way. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I can't say anything bad about him. So he's a great dude. He, he is. And, and I know, um, you know, I only got to spend 10 days with him, but mm-hmm. like you said, the, the thing about him being the uh, incredible musician, I had no idea that he yeah. was like, I just knew I, I you know, I, I was a, like a fanboy of his work. Yeah. And then like, I'm watching him tune up my drums and he just starts playing and I'm like, ah, oh, shit, yeah. you know? And yeah. then like, and then like, uh, he would do it with a bass or he'd do it with a guitar. And he was so just like you said, honest opinions, um, you, you trustworthy, but like, it was just such a great experience. And there was stuff that, that, uh, like I said, I was, I was like attached at the hip to him because whatever he was knowledge, he might be willing to share. I wanted to, you know, take in. And there's stuff that I use every day and not just, you know, in music, but in business and in life. And it was a, it was really, really great to work with them. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to see how you guys continue to, to, to raise the bar. And you look at a band like The Contortionist and you see how they've evolved once they started working with him. And it's like, well, yeah. I think I'm starting to see a pattern here that, you know, this this guy is really uh, something special. Yeah. and he, And I think what's great with him is he's really good at like he gives the band freedom to make their own sound. Like I feel like he's not, he doesn't fit a particular mold as far as tones or sounds. He, he really just makes decisions based on what the band wants and how the band wants to sound, which I think is really important. So I've, I've always loved that about him. Well, and, and I said this uh, to him when we had him on the show, he want he made decisions on our behalf was like no no you want to do it like this because in the yeah. event that you have an opportunity to i don't know license your music to the nfl you're gonna need to do this and then yeah. i mean like six seven years later it's like holy shit we had an opportunity to license our music to the nfl and the reason it got there was because it was quantized and mastered to a certain standard yeah. of uh, production that you, we couldn't get elsewhere so yeah. you know he, he's uh i got I have a I have a lot of thanks to to Jamie King and, and to you oh, as well as for we, that. As do we. Yeah. Um, so, one of the things that uh, that you guys are known for is you have this long career, this this really diverse catalog, um, and the the progressive metal uh, genre overall, or just progressive music, or the the little bit of 
I think there, at one point you guys were called like adult contemporary death metal or something crazy. Um, you know, you had a lot of different banners over the years. Yeah. And, you know, when I, I, I keep an eye on what's going on with the fans and the fan perspective, and it seems as though there's this huge, uh, you know, split in the history of BT Band, which is, you know, your, your career up until Colors and then Colors, you know, now. So... Yeah. We got some fan questions, which we're going to get to at the end. But one of the things that was a lot of people asked that I wanted to address here is like, what do you think about that era of music prior to Colors? You know, is that stuff that you still think about? Is that stuff that you look back fondly? Do you do you look at it as like you're, you know, you want to play? I mean, what do you want to what would you like to say about how how your opinion is on on that you know split of the music? I mean, for me, there is no split. Um, I cherish that early stuff. I really do. I mean, it was such a you know because it, it was just such a cool part of our career because we we didn't know at all what the hell we were doing. Um, it was it was constant. I mean, even before Alaska, we didn't really have a solid lineup till Alaska. I mean, you know, so there was a lot of things we went through and, and we learned so much and made some horrible business decisions. And, you know, there's things that like I look back and it's they, they seem like negatives, but it's, you know, so many things we learned in that era. And I think musically it was, you know, it's still to me is like I was talking earlier about being genuine. It's it's such genuine music. It is you know, what we were at that point, you know, like, you know, the self-title record was, you know, most of that Paul and I wrote in our apartment. And, you know, you know, I remember these moments of, you know, him and I just sitting together on guitar, didn't have a way to record things for demos. And, you know, we just have to remember riffs and we were, you know, we recorded that album in five days. And, you know, even though it's not the most pristine and perfect piece of music, like, and and there's a lot of stuff that I'm like, oh, that we could have obviously done something better now with that, or it's not the greatest, but it's it's important in our journey and where you know where we are today. And I'm not gonna act like that stuff didn't exist or it's bad now because it's different. You know, I feel like we've been a band, you know, 20 years next year. You know, I'm glad that we've changed. I'm glad that we've evolved into something different. And hopefully if we're a band another 10 or 20 years that we won't sound like we do right now, you know, because to me that, that shows growth and, you know, I don't know, we, we were a bunch of dudes, you know, struggling and listening to a lot of cryptopsy and, you know, that's what this, the songs yep. sound like, you know, and like, so it, it's, I, I, I cherish that material and I cherish, you know, I think a Alaska in particular, I think is a really good record. And I, you know, I think all our records have its purpose and its place. And, you know, it's very important in our discography. I wouldn't take any of them out of our discography. I'm not, I mean, on a, in a live setting, I, you know, if someone said, do you want to play, I, you know, I'm not dying to play all that stuff like a, you know, every single night, mainly because it's, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I physically have it in me. I, I might be, I don't know if I can hang with it, but <laughs> we'll, we'll see. I don't know. I mean, we, we're definitely, we treat, we try to play as much as we can of that old stuff. And, 
I don't know. It's it's a weird thing when you're in a band like us that's been around so long as you have this loud community online wanting these certain songs and then you you know there's been times in the past where like all right we'll try that people have been asking for it we put it in a set list and it goes over horribly every night and we're like why you know there's this huge demand for it but you got to keep in mind that a huge demand might be a community of 50 people but 50 people spanning around the entire you know even the u.s is a very small group of people and then when you're playing in front of a certain amount of people every night maybe one or two of those people are in the crowd every night. So it, it's tough to gauge things when, you know, you do get on the Reddits and because I see a lot of that stuff. And, um, I think with age, you get better at kind of like juggling that and not, not getting offended by, uh, different communities and their opinions about old material or new material. You just kind of got to do what feels right for you. And that's kind of how we've always approached it even before the internet. Um, kind of just do our thing and that and that's kind of still what we do and i think if pulling old material into our thing is something that feels right for us we definitely will do it i think um you really nailed it on the head there because you know there's like you said that it it may seem like it's a lot of people but it's spread out and you know i'm one of the what i think is not probably the majority of your audience where you know the first thing i heard of you guys was Uh, Silent Circus and I was listening to that you know in high school and like I too was listening to Cryptopsy and all this crazy shit so like that is like a reflection of where I was musically at that time just like a lot of people but that being said you know I as you guys evolved and grew and you know I was growing too and you know when I just at the at this show in Reverb or the show in Asbury you know when I look around now um, well one I'm now the, the old dude at the shows that when I was a kid, I'd be like, man, what this old asshole over here doing in his, in the jeans and t-shirt. Like, you know, now I'm the 30 year old guy at the bar. Um, so that's weird. But you know, the demographic of who's at a BT BAM show has really shifted. And I think yeah. people, um, <clears throat> you know, it used to just be like, you know, like the hardcore kids and stuff. And now it's like everyone. Yeah. And, um, I think, you know, that's not because you guys sold out or, changed what you know uh, the core of what you guys are is still there um but like you said it's you know it's a reflection of where you are now all as as artists yeah and i and i think we have i mean even when i listen back to the old i mean we, i think we've always had a sound even though we have changed drastically here and there like even when we're writing new music it either sounds like us or it doesn't and, right. and that's i mean there's lots of stuff that doesn't make albums and you know, I think a lot of it is, you know, we'll listen back and we're like, that just doesn't, it doesn't sound genuine. It doesn't sound like us because we have a sound. I mean, I I can't explain what that sound is, but when I hear it, I hear it. Um, and I think it's always been there. And I think the reason our fan base is, has grown and changed and been and gotten more diverse is because we've always we've always wanted that. I mean, even back in the day when we were playing more extreme music, we, we always were trying to like mold lots of different types of music into one thing and appeal to different people. And that's why we've done so many different kinds of tours. And, you know, we've toured with hardcore bands and dream theater and death metal bands. You know, we toured with malevolent creation one time, you know, we've, we've toured with, you know, horse the band. Yeah, horse. I mean, there's so we've done so many different kinds of tours, 
you know, in hopes of like grabbing people here and there and, and hopefully in the end having these little, you know, these little people we picked away from these random tours, hopefully throw them all in one room and have a cool diverse show every night. And that's kind of what we've tried to do, even if it wasn't something we intentionally talked about. I think mentally that's what we always wanted was just we never wanted to cut anybody off or feel like our music doesn't belong somewhere because I feel like there's a part of us in every type of music in some way, hopefully. Yeah, there's there's a little bit of something for everybody. And, yeah. um, you know, along with that, that kind of older stuff is I wanted to talk about the anatomy of because yeah. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but people really are fond of that record. It's uh, crazy. And, and yeah. you know, for, for some, some people who maybe have, have hopped on the bandwagon kind of recently here, the anatomy of is, a, I guess it was like your third release. Um, it was a, a cover album. And there's some really awesome stuff on there that, you yeah, know. That, oh, that was after Alaska, so fourth. Was it fourth? Yeah, it was right before Colors, yeah. Right. So yeah. when you listen to that, you know, it's like you guys are kind of in, in in hindsight, it's like you're foreshadowing all these different genres you guys were about to go off yep. on, um, you know, and and bicycle race. And then you think about that, you know, when you guys ended up putting out the Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, but, you know, Blackened, your guys' version of Blackened is still like I, I prefer that. Um, and, and there's so many cool pieces of music on there. So. Do you guys have any plans to ever revisit that specific album? Maybe do some of that stuff live or, you know, do another cover record when you have the time? Or is that something that don't, you don't I think don't so? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, we've never, like, sat down to discuss it or anything. But um, I don't know. That's a weird, like, I always forget about that album, honestly. It was such a rushed um, moment in time. Like, to me, when I hear it, it sounds rushed. It doesn't sound like I hoped it would have. Um, but people enjoy it and love it. So, you know, that makes me happy. But I, I think it was a big stepping stone for us. I, I think just getting in the studio, trying these different kinds of songs and, and playing all these different styles of music was super important for us and Jamie you know, for the next steps of the band, like you were saying. And I, like, I feel like Colors wouldn't have been what it was without the anatomy of, um, mainly because we learned so much about just tones and, and how to achieve things that we like in music. It's like, oh, we like the way this sounds in the song. How do we get that? And so that album was a lot of just figuring stuff out like that. Um, so, I, yeah, I think it, it's a very important record for you know, the recording aspect of our songs and just kind of taking a leap into new territory and feeling more comfortable in that territory. I think it's very important in that. Um, but it, it was really rushed, like, because it's a lot of music. I think it's 15 songs or something. And I feel like, I mean, looking back, we didn't have enough time to record it. And a lot of things, we just kind of <clears throat> half had to half-ass some things and on the vocal front, there were some half-assed things that I look back, I wish I would have changed, but that is what it is. I'm not a guy that wants to go back and redo anything, but um, like you said, I, it, it was something that I think is important for us in the future, and even though we did, weren't, that wasn't a plan at all, it wasn't like we're like, let's do this cover record, this will help us 
you know, feel more comfortable in these different kinds of genres and help us write for right. you know, the future. You know, that wasn't the case at all. It was mainly just like, oh, this is kind of a cool idea. Let's try it and see if it works or not. Um, and, you know, it turned into this thing that really helped us. So I'm glad we did it for sure. Yeah, I know, like as a musician, you know, when I needed to learn how to play bass to, to contribute to this band, um, mm-hmm. I, learning covers helped me figure out a new style of music because it's like, okay, well, I know how this song is supposed to sound now let me work on like you're saying your tone and your technique you can kind of use like the it's like a coloring book almost where it's like you just have to fit it within that those lines and you can you can learn um speaking of learning and, and that colors record uh that was the first time that i can recall you uh, with a keyboard on the stage and I, I might've missed it if it was before that. Um, but you know, I know when you started, uh, you were doing kind of really simple, um, simple progressions and, you know, stuff like that, uh, to where it is now where you're really, uh, like a full on synth player. So, I was always curious, you know, like where did, was that something that you wanted to challenge yourself with? Did you always kind of say like, I, at some point I'm going to bring synths in and I'm going to be the one to do it. Uh, Cause I know, you know, Dan also plays mm-hmm. piano um, and you guys are all, you know, musicians, but w- what was that process for you? And, and w- what made you be the one to say, I'm going to be the keyboard player and not go out and get one? Um, it, it happened, I guess it was silent circus actually. Um, but it was more for honestly, the reason I want to incorporate something else was because I didn't know what to do on stage during their long instrumental breaks. Like seriously, I, <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, still to this day, I'm, I'm very uncomfortable on stage if I have nothing to do. Like I try to always keep busy, you know, doing something and, you know, at that point I was like, you know, with the self-titled, there was a lot of like kind of instrumental parts and, and I was just kind of sitting there not knowing what to do. And so I was like, okay, you know, I'll kind of dive into the world of keyboards. And I had, I mean, I had no formal training. It was kind of one of those things where I just, I wanted to have something to, to make new noise, you know, and I used it on silent circus, just, you know, there's various pads and kind of noisy things here and there and it kind of evolved in alaska there's some more dominant uh synth parts and um i think it was just kind of me getting getting more comfortable with with the instrument and learning new things about it learning how to play it better every album and you know eventually you know i I think dan's a, a big part of it like he's he started writing more with, with piano and, and keys, uh, especially with coma. Um, and he would write a lot of stuff that, you know, was very challenging for me or, you know, something that I would have never thought of. So that doing things like that, it helped me get better at my playing and, and, and learning new things about the instrument. Um, so it was just, you know, a slow road. It was kind of like BTBM in general. It was just like this evolution of like, pushing this instrument and learning new ways to incorporate it into the sounds. And, you know, the the thing is, what's funny to me is looking back is it was a very frowned upon instrument when I first started incorporating (laughs) it in the BTBM, you know, especially, you know, Silent Circus Alaska is like there wasn't bands with key, like in our world with keyboards on stage. It was like this, this 
weird thing to have on stage. Like, cause I mean, you know, when people think keyboards, they think Rick Wakeman know, with his cape. Yeah, and, yeah. There's, there's, yeah. there's certain things people think of when, you know, but for me, keyboards were such a, you know, because of my love for industrial music and stuff growing up ministry and stuff. It's like, I always loved the grittiness of keyboards and how it, it kind of was this another, another layer of, you know, options. I yeah, guess. Yeah, throw a little and, organ in there makes anything heavy. Exactly. And, yeah, and I think we just all kind of learned. I think, especially Dan and I, we were we we're the ones that primarily wrote with synth in mind and keyboards in mind. Like it, it just became kind of a big part of our sound because of that. Yeah, and and like I was saying earlier, you know, when you listen to your solo albums, you can hear that those ideas and kind of like more of the that what you're doing in BT Bam in your solo work and it like yeah. the full expression of it. So if you guys are into that, you know, there you go. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean about the, the the idea of the keyboard player because, like I said, you know, the first the first time I saw you was, um, you know, back uh, I guess it was 2006 uh, at the first Unitarian Church in the yeah. basement. And it's uh, weird. I remember all those shows. I mean, I remember those shows more vividly than I do the tour we just did. Hundred like percent. <laughs> it's it's yeah. it's cool to think back to because you know. The, the journey I end up going on and uh, how everything kind of comes together and, and thinking back at that time, how I would get involved and it's uh, it kind of blows my mind a little bit, but you definitely were still in that world of like, Oh no, like, like I said, with metal, there's always this kind of like posturing coolness factor, even though it's supposed to be like anti-cool, yeah. you still have to be like, there's a lot of weird stuff, you know, in that scene. Um, but that makes it unique. But uh, I, I'm glad to see that you stuck with it because I know a lot of bands, um, they try it out for, for a tour or whatever, one album. And I always like it because, again, you know, I'm into that prog world. Um, and then it goes away. So it's it's cool that it, it's like it had an important part. And like you said, it gives you something to do on stage because, yeah. you know, that's, that can be weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so switching gears here a little bit, um, you know, one of the things we cover on the Everyman podcast is this idea of like you got to wear multiple hats to be an everyman. And you know, you're you're a businessman. Uh, you're doing your stuff on the side, and you're you're touring, um, but you're also a family man. And mm-hmm. I, I wanted to to kind of get your take on on uh, generally, you know, being a father and and being a, a businessman and a you know a touring musician and you know, what do you, what do you find is like the best part of, of being a father? Um, and what advice do you have for, for men out there that are maybe struggling with carrying those multiple hats? Ooh, that's tough. I mean, I mean, I, I love the fact that, you know, I, I think personality is the, the most exciting part is you know as, as my son he's seven now he just started second grade to, uh, last week um seeing his personality form is just it's very it, it's just amazing to watch because you know obviously we've never watched that in any other situation in our life before um we've all made friends and seen them evolve etc but it, something about like seeing a baby grow up into something and get a sense of humor and have musical taste and, and have these little quirks and, you know, have, you know, things that drive you crazy and things that I drive him crazy with. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like that. I think all that stuff's really important. And, and just to be a part of that's pretty, 
even though it's totally common, people have been having kids forever. It's, I think in your own little bubble, it's, it's like, there's nothing that can compare to that. Um, and you know, just seeing him turning to a, a little dude and eventually will be a man. It's just, it's crazy. And as far as juggling all of it, I mean, I, I look at it as any, anything you just gotta, I don't know. I don't think about it. It's like, you gotta make it work. I mean, the second he was born, you, you have to make decisions. You know, the second you have a, a child, you, your decision process is totally different. Nothing is like, nothing is self-involved really anymore. It's like, you got to make good decisions based on, you know, your family and your, and what's best for him and, and how do you achieve something to make their life as good as it possibly could be and make you happy at the same time. You know, you have to juggle all these things without really thinking about it. Um, and it's going to be different every year and every week. And, you know, I think it's just, being honest with you know him and yourself and and your family and just making it work and I, and I think if you have supportive loved ones and a family that you know is there for you in every step and you're there for them with every step I think it, it aligns and you you make something special and that's you know I'm very lucky to be in a situation like that and um I don't know. There's no secret. I don't, I don't I mean, I don't know how to tell someone to, to juggle things or to be a good father. Or, I mean, I think it's, it's either in you or it isn't. Um, but I, I think people think things are harder than they seem. And, um, there's always a way to make things work. I mean, a big pet peeve of mine is people that say, like, you're like, how you been? And like, oh, I've just been busy. It's like, everybody's busy, man. Like, like, how are you personally? Like, I think that, you know, when I think of, you know, life and raising a child is like worrying about that, not your time, worrying about like feeling good and him feeling good and your family being good and, you know, just make decisions to make all that happen, you know, and try to not stress too much about the bullshit that makes it busy, you know? That's good advice, man. I think everybody could, uh, could use stuff like that. And, you know, I know, um, seeing you on the road, I know sometimes that, that you're able to bring your family out and, and, uh, that's got to help too. balancing, you know, missing family and and being on the road. Cause you know, we were talking about this, um, you know, in Reading is, is this idea of, uh, musicians getting, or, or just people in general, you go out there, you get this huge, rush of adrenaline from the stage and then you kind of you're back in a stuffy side room and then you're in a car or bus or van whatever it is uh off to the next show and it can be really emotionally devastating this up and down up and down thing um yeah. how do you how do you manage that i mean because i know offline we've kind of talked about that but a lot of people um that was kind of a question a lot of people had is like how do you how do you balance the stage life versus everyday I life i mean that that's going to be very different for each individual person i mean i know guys they're in us you know that have children a family that really struggle with on stage and off stage or like tour and not tour and like you know the transition between the two for me, it's never it's never really been a problem. Um, like I was saying earlier with the Grammy thing, like going from the night of Grammys to flying the next day and playing a show, I, I adjust very quickly. And I think, you know, in a, I'm really weird in the fact that I can literally walk off stage and get on the bus and I just shut off all that. And I'm 
I'm like a, a different dude and you know, I'm, the, the adrenaline's gone. I'm really excited about, you know, eating dinner and sitting in silence and maybe watching South Park or, you know, like I can, it's quick like that for me. So I don't know. I can't really, I don't know. I don't have a whole lot of insight into that because I can end a tour, fly home the next day and, and I'm Mr. You know, I'm dad, you know, it's not weird for me at all. I can take my son to school the next morning and if, if it's not weird for me, um, so I, I don't know that transition's never really been hard and that may be why like the juggling of you know everything is easier for me because I don't have that uh problem with transitions um but I'm I guess I'm fortunate that that hasn't been hard but I've tried to you know like you said I try to I don't try to keep it all separate you know my my family life and in the band and all that I try to I try to involve both together as much as I can. You know, I, I, you know, very early on Maddox, you know, even when he was a few months old, I flew him to the studio. He was on, he's on parallax too. You know, we have him crying and we manipulated it and like, <laughs> um, it's on a track. Like I've always kind of tried to have him there. I mean, he's been there since day one of watching us record and he's been on the road as a baby and been to shows as a baby and up till now. And, you know, I, I, I've never seen a point in kind of separating the two and hiding one from the other. Um, I'm very fortunate to be in a band where it's an environment that's good for a child. I, I think a lot of people are in bands that it's not maybe. Um, but with BTBM, I'm very lucky that, you know, it's a great group of guys that I a hundred percent am confident that I can leave Maddox with it, anyone in our crew or band. And, and I don't have to worry about anything, you know, everything, it's a good environment. So yeah, I, you know, I've tried to just keep everything intertwined so it's more comfortable. And so he sees all that different parts of my life as well as, so he knows kind of what I do and it's not like this big mystery for him. Yeah, that's really cool. And, and, uh, you know, I can attest he's an awesome little dude and, you know, it's cool seeing, uh, you know, like I said, having every, you kind of have that world that you've, you've created and, yeah. Um, I think uh, people have this idea that, you know, the, there's this rock star life and craziness, yeah. but you know, you guys are just, you just dudes. And I think that all, you know, circling back around, you know, to what we started with, I think it all centers around how you guys kind of, kind of came up and you're, you're yeah. always humble. And I mean, uh, I've been on, you know, South street after a show with Blake getting a slice of pizza. He's, he's literally putting food in his mouth, you know, and somebody comes up and, you know, stops what he's doing I'll, I'll hold his slice and he spend yeah. however much however long they need and you know it doesn't matter like where or when um you guys are always great with your fans and you know that's that's why you guys i think have had this long career and every time you know i go see you guys on a sunday in reading and there's there's a lot of people there like it doesn't yeah. it doesn't matter you, you your people come out um it's been uh it's been really really cool to be you know to see it from from this perspective um so Shifting gears again here. Um, like I said, I, I went on Reddit, and uh, I always like to go to Reddit when we got when we have uh, guests like yourself on because that's where, yeah. I, in my opinion, I, like I'm a big redditor. You know, I use it for barbecue. So you know, like whenever you're looking for like the one percenters of whatever it is, whether it's yeah, like yeah. scuba diving or or you know barbecue or knitting, you'll find it on Reddit. Um, so all the hardcore people uh, that are that are oh oh I see it. 
Yeah. <laughs> you guys know. I know. I know Blake. I know Blake is lurking on there too. So you yeah, guys. I'm, I'm not at all a Reddit guy, but my, my wife randomly sh- shows me things. Um, she she reads the Reddit comments, and I, I love it. Honestly, um, not I'm not one of those guys that I, I don't get butt hurt about stuff at all. I don't care. Um, but I like I like the inside. I think it's very important, and I'm glad that she shows me. Um, that side of it because you, I think a lot of times when you're in a band, you get caught up in a bubble, um, of, you know, you control what your online personality is, you know, you, you see the comments that you want to see, or, you know, you, you tend to not read a whole lot of reviews of your music, you know, especially if you've been doing it as long as I have. So, I mean, it's, I think it's good to like, get the small like you said reddit is like the diehards and i think it's important to get their perspective on everything um even if it's even if i don't agree with it that's totally fine but i I, i'm glad that i i should probably seek it out more but um hopefully my wife will continue well well lucky for you the everyman is here to uh to to bring your your toe into the water so you know before i get into the questions i got to say two things one uh the reddit community on the bt bam community uh has been great to the everyman podcast thank you guys for for checking out the show and subscribing and everything hope you guys uh, continue to enjoy it so tommy the best part about Reddit is the usernames. These are all real usernames. Um, so, so enjoy it. And, and here we go. So uh, Papa Crip, my boy Papa Crip, he, uh, he wants to know what kind of uh, vocal techniques do you do before shows to get ready to perform? That's evolved a lot over time. Um, I used to be one of those guys that I never warmed up at all. I would just get on stage and hurt my voice a lot and and I just dealt with it. Um, I don't know. I mean, I used to do the Melissa cross thing and then I evolved into, I started working recently. Actually, I've talked about this a little bit in other podcasts. Um, I started working with Dan Tompkins from Tesseract a few tours ago. I was having, I was having a lot of trouble that tour with them. Just, um, I don't know, having good performances, I feel like I wasn't like performing the way I should as far as my vocals. I wasn't holding up as well as I should. So I I literally went to him just as a friend, like, hey, man, I know you, because he's a very good, he teaches, um, you know. Incredible singer. Yeah, he's an incredible singer. He teaches voice lessons. He's very well trained, which which I'm not. And I was like, man, can I just sit down with you? And, And he taught me so, so much. Uh, the last few weeks of our tour and he, you know, he's given me a routine that he does. And, um, I think he even sells it on his website maybe, but, um, yeah, it's, it's the last tour we did with contortionist contortionist was probably the best my voice has felt for in forever. So, um, I feel like he's really helped, um, do that. But I mean, it's, it's a lot of different, vocal exercises and it's a lot of massaging which he taught me um vocal massaging with the throat uh, i'm not gonna explain it really there's not much to explain except get a little tub of vaseline and massage your throat <laughs> and have have your band look at you weird every day but um i don't know it's really helped me a lot and uh i'm very grateful to i wish i would have learned some of these things years ago but you know it is what it is but yeah just a lot of massage um a lot of warm up. Um, I normally give myself 
45 minutes after my warm-up or 30 minutes after my warm-up before I'm even on stage at all. Um, and, yeah, I, I like I like quiet and I like to relax before the show. I normally keep to myself, you know, before we play and after. And, yeah, there's there's not a whole lot. Of, like, I don't have a ritual at all. Um, I do the tea. You know, I drink, I drink way too much coffee during the day and, you know, tea before we play. And, yeah, just – all that's important for me. I, you know, you get on a routine every day and, you know, you try to sleep well, eat well and all these things because it, that is super important for, with, with your voice. And as I've gotten, you know, now that we have so many, many different styles of music in our songs and we have so many different, you know, different years of songs you know i have to be able to do a lot that i've done over the years so i have to make sure i'm not getting sick and um because it, it can be detrimental for me we're about to do a two-set tour in europe so this will be the true test to my voice uh if i can do it or not hopefully i can because if not uh, some people in europe are going to hear a sad man every night <laughs> let's see is there is there anything you do like as a like a after after your set to to warm down because i know like uh, a lot of people I, do that yeah, as well i've never done that i'm trying to kind of do that get into the habit of it it's hard for me to get off stage and, and still i don't know the second it's done it's done for me and i'm like oh there's my time to not think about the show anymore because you, you know it's you know all day is kind of a lead up to that moment and then when you're done but i need to get better disciplined with uh, the warm down and but yeah i mean just I, I, i'm normally normally by myself just hanging out and you know i call my wife and chat for a little bit then eat dinner and relax and that's my wind down for sure there you go penzoid wants to know uh can we expect to see a tour where you play automata one and two in full um i don't know i mean we have we haven't talked about it i mean maybe the 10-year anniversary of it or something <laughs> there you go. Yeah, but uh, no, we, we haven't really talked about it. But the the thing about the the whole album tour, we were doing it for a while, but we just we decided we didn't want to make it something where it's expected every every album. Yeah, um, I think if there's a time and place where the album feels really right for that, then uh, we'll do it. Or if there's a special show that we think we need to do it, we did that. Like for instance, Great Misdirect. I think we only did like a handful of shows where we played the whole album. But I, yeah, I think it's cool to kind of like just play it by ear and see what feels right. And, and I, th I think um, doing that, you know, kind of mm -hmm. on a limited basis keeps it special because I know, yeah. you know, as a fan, like it, there'd, there'd be a song I'd be particularly fond of and then you don't hear it live. But every every tour, it's like, oh, I hope I hear it. I hope I hear it. And then the one time yeah. they play it, you're like, fucking right. You know, like yeah. when you finally get it, it's it's that much sweeter. Um, yeah. Samilov wants to know, uh, what's your approach to writing lyrics? I had a lot of people ask various versions of this question so um, a lot of people are curious it changes it constantly changes i try to always have a different approach um so every album you know it's very different from my solo stuff than my you know than the band stuff but i mean there's album like for parallax for instance that was a very thought out you know i, I got together a whole timeline concept everything i spent months organizing that and getting that together before I even started writing lyrics. So I had kind of a template of where I wanted the album to go and what I wanted to happen in each song. 
<clears throat> that worked great with that album. Um, Coma was more of a, it was very on the, I had an idea of what it, what I wanted to do with the story, but I kind of wrote as I was listening to the music. Um, I was writing melodies and vocals and lyrics all at once where I normally don't do that. Um, to switch it up. Automata, Automata, yeah, sorry, I say that wrong sometimes. Um, <laughs> I thought for a album, second I was saying it wrong this whole time. <laughs> that album, I had a basic idea of a story, and I kind of wrote as we were writing the record, and things changed, and I changed things. and um, I don't know, it constantly changes, but normally I do pen and paper. Um, I kind of I try to listen to the song and write what kind of pops into my head. Um, but a lot of times in the past, I'll just get an idea and I'll write lyrics without listening to any music and I'll just, you know, write a lot and then go back to it later and then pick out pieces here and there. That was a approach I did a lot for like Alaska and colors. I would write huge, you know, just a lot of lyrics and kind of, and then go back and make things work and shape it down from there. Yeah. Shape it down. And I I still do that a lot with my solo stuff. And I've even kind of written some stuff, you know, this past tour that I I don't even know what it's for in that way, just kind of writing to write. So yeah, I mean, it, it constantly changes. So, and even there was a, you know, Velcro kid, a solo record of mine because it was electronic. I didn't want to, I wanted it to be, um, super spontaneous so a lot of those lyrics were literally I would sit down with a pen and paper and have no idea what I was going to write and just kind of whatever popped in my head became lyrics for that record so sorry my voice is changing for some reason right now Oh, we're honored Uh, to have the great change happen live on the podcast yeah congratulations (laughs) (laughs) so yeah I mean it's it's you know for me I don't like to get stuck in one way of writing I mean even right now I'm kind of because we're coming up on time to start writing again, I'm debating if I want to do another concept thing or not. So um, that's something I'm kind of dealing with right now. Um, it's Jordan Wilson wants to know, tagging along on that further, any plans for any more lyric booklets of uh, past albums? And he wanted to know, he wanted to note that he loved the Automata one and just in general, the lo- he loves the lyric explanations. And I got a chance to actually, I didn't know those existed until this last yeah. tour and I was looking through them. I was like, oh, this is really cool. Um, so yeah, any more, any more plans for those? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think so. It was, it was fun to do, honestly, you know, to kind of go back. I mean, it's tough with the old stuff because a lot of times I forget what I was writing about or how I felt in the moment, you know, right. all those things. So, yeah, it's tough to kind of have um, insight that's worthy of writing about um, because it was so long ago. But, yeah, it's really cool to see that there are people that care about that. You know, uh, you you never know in 2019 if people are like, I want to read lyrics or not. You know, you never know. So I'm very fortunate that people are interested in the lyrics and stories I've written. So, yeah, I, I, I hope to do more of that in the future. Meat Tornado 52 wants to know. <laughs> Meat Tornado. That's yeah. good. Sounds that's terrifying, good doesn't it? Yeah. What, uh, what real job would you have if you weren't a touring musician? I have no idea. I mean, I... Did you always want to... Is this what you always wanted to do? Yeah. It's all, it's all I've ever thought about. 
Um, I mean, I was in college for a little bit and I dropped out cause I was like, I just want to play songs. Um, so yeah, I don't, I really don't know. I mean, I, I've, I, I deal with a lot of the, the business side of the band and I always have. So I really enjoyed that, that part of the business. So I would assume if I wasn't doing this, maybe I would have my hand in a lot of that, um, be it management, uh, booking or, you know, work the record label, you know, I'm a huge fan of music. So, um, yeah, any, any of those things, but outside of music, I really don't know. I mean, unfortunately I'm not an expert at anything. So it's (laughs) like, (laughs) I don't, I don't know what I would do. So you'd have to do something else averagely. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh man. Mixtape casualty wants to know, is there a particular song or album that you're especially proud of your work on, you know, whether it's your lyrics or your, your, how you apply to certain vocal technique. Oh, there's, I mean, there's so many, I mean, not saying, oh, there's so much great stuff I've been a part of. Uh, there's so many things that like you're looking back, you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm glad I did that. That was, that's something that, you know, you can be really proud of. Um, even if it's not something you think's the best music you've written, but something like, oh, I, I'm glad I took that risk or I tried that. Um, God, it's tough to think of like a, a moment. I mean, I, I, I mean, maybe like when I, when I, like this past tour we played Fossil Genera, I, I think the whole ending section of that was like something I was a big role in that maybe I wasn't comfortable enough to write something like that and and it became this huge thing that we created and i still think it's such a goosebump part and i'm you know i look back and i'm like man that's that's like a moment i'm really proud of that i was part of um but yeah i mean there's a lot of those moments um i'm really bad at i would have to like sit down out my album of things i've done but yeah I, i think more often than not it's things that i'm like i'm glad i tried that or i I'm glad that like a lot of things, if I don't try it, I don't learn that that's something I'm good at. You know, there's so many, even with a lot with my solo stuff, like I learned like, Oh, my voice works well with that kind of thing. Like I need to do more of that. I like how that sounds. So yeah, I think it's more situations like that more than like, Oh, I think that part's really good. You know, I'm a jerk 420. Uh, (laughs) Do you have any plans to tour on that solo material? I want to, I really do. Um, in some, some way, I mean, I did five shows back when Pulse came out and it was a lot of nerves, a lot of, uh, I don't know. It, it's a lot that goes into it because you're basically like starting over. Uh, I'm certain I'm comfortable to a certain level of touring even if I don't admit it, I am. And it, it's tough to me t- to change that and be in a, like a totally new environment, you know, new people, new, I mean, it, it would be weird, but I, I want to eventually pursue that. Um, it's just finding a way to make it work financially, you know, make it work where it doesn't interfere with, you know, the band or my personal life and, you know, as far as time goes and just for it to make sense to me. Um, I'm still, but I am actively trying to find a way to make that work. 
So yeah, that that would be awesome, and that's something that I've uh, yeah. always always hoped to see. So uh, fin- fingers crossed. I'm like, I, I think those songs would translate really well live, and I'm confident that I can create a set that would be killer live. But uh, just just uh, making it happen. I, I need to to dive in, just make it happen at some point. And, and that's the cool thing about the, the kind of the landscape now with music is you could just have this career like where you put out. You know, you could put out 10 solo albums and build a following based on that music. And then, you yeah. know, in the, in the 12th year, you go out and finally tour it. So, yeah. you know, it's not like uh, before where the access to recording wasn't there, you know, so you can yeah. really, really grow it. Um, this is one of my favorites. Uh, Lick My Asshole. Like, uh, like Castle. Yeah. Which, okay. oh, 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 weird. Okay. Yeah, I thought you yeah. said Axel, like. No, no. Car. Yeah. Lick okay. My Asshole. Okay. Which BT Bam album has the most challenging vocal work as far as range and dynamics? That's tough. I mean, definitely the like, like great Mister Great Misdirect Parallax that that kind of era probably is the toughest. I mean, the very old stuff is just brutal. It's like tough for me just from getting older and stuff, but. uh I would say like great misdirect and parallax. I I wasn't even thinking about like oh is this note too high for me or is this <laughs> like I'm not gonna breathe at all during you know for four minutes of the song and I'm never gonna shut up during this section or you know things that I think about now. Um, so yeah, I would definitely say that era. Strandberger wants to know any plans for a repressing of the anatomy of on vinyl. I have no idea. Um, that kind of stuff's not really in lot, your purview, right? Yeah, unfortunately, a lot of that older stuff's not really in our uh, in our control. Um, we we have it's recently been transferred to a new company. A lot of that old stuff. So, and they're they're actually really good working with us uh, about you know actual ideas we have. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's something the band really has interest in repressing. I think we're more interested in, you know, our actual, our actual albums, but, uh, who knows, maybe one day. Never say never. Yeah. Last one here from the fans. Um, and there was a lot of kind of variations about this kind of subject. Lord Eddard wants to know, do you have a go-to vegan meal? Um, and also just expand on that. Like, is there any go-to spots around the country that you, uh, that you particularly enjoy? Oh, I mean, there's so many, I mean, every city there's spots. Um, I mean, I'm a big. I don't know. I mean, I've uh, over the years I've gotten really into Vietnamese food. So there's a place out here called Aluk that's like one of my favorite meals ever. Where I'm a sandwich guy. You know, Ike's is a great sandwich. There's, you know, so yeah, there's a lot of go-to's. But uh, yeah, I'm a. I really like Asian food. So I mean. That's always my go-to normally. Do you, is it hard on the road, or has it gotten easier now? Because I feel like now it's oh, probably it's so it's so easy now. I mean, it's crazy. You know, because we were, you know, you know, I became vegan when I was sixteen, I guess. So I mean, it's like, yeah, when we, the early days of BT Bam, it was like Taco Bell bean burritos with no cheese. That was like the go-to. You know, that, that was right. what, what we were eating every day. You know, and you were playing. Yeah, now now it's everywhere. I mean, even fast food has options now so yeah it's it's very easy now yeah i uh i eat well on the road that's that's one of the few things we 
you know, in our day, it's like finding good, good food is a, a priority. That's always one of the one of my favorite parts of uh, hanging out with you guys on a on a day of a show is, you know, getting to steal a vegan treat here and there that are yeah. uh, that are hanging around the green room. Always, oh, always yeah, a treat. Absolutely. Yeah, Paul's got a guy that always gets us a box from there. So yeah. Yeah, those cookies, awesome. Um, yeah. So you know, wrapping up here, um, you know, I wanted to thank you for for coming on the show and sharing so much about your your individual journey and and your and your history and career with the band and as well as a little look into your family life um where can people keep up with you uh what kind of social media do you do you want to throw out there and uh if people are curious about you know any of your um other material your solo work where can people get a hand on that yeah um i mean the usual instagram twitter um instagram is thomas giles music twitter is tommy btbam um my website's thomasgilesmusic.com. Yeah, I'm always, you know, I've, I've, I've already started writing for my next solo record. And, yeah, uh, who knows when that will ever happen. But, yeah, we're thinking about writing new BTBM, and we'll see what happens in the next few years. And, yeah, you can, uh, I don't know, there's some music I've recorded that I hope comes out someday. I mean, there's, there's lots of things. I'm, I'm always trying to be involved in something, and I'm, I'm – I'm debating in the future of uh, making it easier to collaborate with me and write. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I don't know. That's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me is just through the social media or the website. Awesome. There you go. Well, Tommy, thank you for joining us on the Everyman Podcast, and uh, we'll be catching up down the road, my brother. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, man. <laughs>